Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Anyone familiar with popular culture will know their screen names well. So I'm going to give you the names and see if you are familiar with this. You know them as Ross and Rachel and Phoebe and Monica and Chandler and Joey. Okay, now unless, unless you just haven't been watching TV in the last 20 years, you have no clue. But you know, you know those names. Uh, and some of you even know their real names. Like uh, David uh, Schimmer, I guess how you say it, uh, Schwimmer, there you go, see, you know, Jennifer Aniston, Lisa Kudrow, Courtney Cox, Matthew Perry, and Matt LeBlanc. You know them. You know their screen names and you know their real names, but do you know the other characters' names? Like, are you familiar with this name, James Michael Taylor? Do you know who Maggie Wheeler is? Do you know who Jane Sibbett is? See, because without these people, these three mentioned names I mentioned out of a bunch I could mention, the, without these people, the stories that the friends try to tell doesn't have the depth or the, the uh, ability to share all the information because those are the names, the, the real names of Gunther. Anybody remember Gunther? All right. And Janice. Uh, can somebody laugh like Janice this morning? Yeah, see, I knew you knew. And, and, and some of y'all are like freaking out. You don't even know who we're talking about. And Carol, which was Ross's ex-wife, remember? So, so, so those are the hidden figures. They're the supporting cast that enable the friends to paint a picture. And, and it provides depth and understanding. And what we know, what we started talking about last week and what we're continuing to talk about this week is it takes the hidden figures that, that complete the story, that give the story the, the essence and, and the ability to communicate. And so we've been looking at these absolutely sometimes overlooked and even underappreciated people that become essential to the story. So let me share another one. I want to take you into a very obscure passage of scripture this morning. Um, some of you probably are like me, and you've read the account in Exodus of the children of Israel's escape, but you missed this part. So let's back up and get the hidden figures. In Exodus chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, we're going to read down through verse 21. And there's some fun names in here, so you can join me. We're gonna, on one of them in particular, you're going to join me. Uh, and, and I'm pre prepping for when my second crowd gets here, and some of them sit right here because it's a P word, and I like to say P words because I spit on them a lot. So, so here we go. So then eventually a, king, a new king came to the throne of Egypt who felt no obligation to the descendants of Joseph. And he told his people, these Israelis are becoming dangerous to us because there are so many of them. Let's figure out a way to put an end to this. If we don't and war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and escape out of the country. So the Egyptians made slaves of them and put brutal taskmasters over them to wear them down under heavy burdens while building the cities of Pithom and Ramses and so as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians mistreated and oppressed them, the more the Israelis seemed to multiply. And the Egyptians became alarmed and made the Hebrew slavery more bitter still, forcing them to toil long and hard in the fields and to carry heavy loads of mortar and brick. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, instructed the Hebrew midwives. Their names were Shifra and Pua. Everybody say, Pua. Come on, look at your neighbor. Share, share your, okay, no, don't share. Okay, uh, 
I love that name, Pua. I just wanted to preach this message just so I could say her name over a microphone. Pua. All right. That, that should become the, the, the most chosen name this in 2019 for a girl. Pua. Okay, y'all are not cooperating. All right, so, so, uh, so this is what happens. The Pharaoh, the king of Israel, or Egypt, instructed the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, to kill all Hebrew boys as soon as they were born, but to let the girls live. But the midwives feared God and didn't obey the king. They let the boys live too. And the king summoned them before him and demanded, Why have you disobeyed my command and let the baby boys live? Sir, they told him, the Hebrew women have their babies so quickly that we can't get there in time. They are not slow like the Egyptian women, and God blessed the midwives because they were God-fearing women. So the people of Israel continued to multiply and to become a mighty nation. And because the midwives revered God, he gave them children of their own. This is an incredible passage to unknown Unlikely characters, ladies who uh, have their names recorded in Scripture, and we are told that at the risk of their own lives, you recognize that they are under the command of the Pharaoh. So if the Pharaoh says to do something, how many of you know that if you want to live, you do what the Pharaoh says, right? So they risk their own lives, and they refuse to carry out the, the instructions and the commands of the, of the Pharaoh, and they let the baby boys live. This is perhaps, could very well be, the first ever in history recorded act of civil disobedience. They said, we're not going to obey you. We're going we're gonna to do something different. And so they were unwilling to participate in his plan. And so from hidden and perhaps even overlooked roles, these two women have an incredible impact on history as we know it. So let me teach you some lessons because these two ladies teach us three really, really important lessons that we have got to grasp as we go through this walk that we call uh, service to God. So the first one I want you to catch is this, is that deliverance can come from unlikely deliverers. I'm going to say that again. Deliverance can come from unlikely deliverers. Because if you know the Bible at all, when we start talking about the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, we always jump to the star in the story. He's the headliner. He's the one. He's the Ross. He's the Joey. He's the Chandler. Chandler. We, we always think about him when we start talking about the deliverance of the children of Israel. We think about Moses. But I'm here to tell you this morning that before Moses ever got on the scene as a deliverer, there were two ladies that are recorded that brought deliverance first. In fact, I want to submit to you this morning that there would not have even been a deliverer by the name of Moses had not this, these two women stepped into their role, even from a hidden, obscure place they serve. And because of that, there, there's deliverance that is brought. So we tend to think about uh, those that have the platform, those that have the microphone, those that are followed by cameras, those that have applause, those that get the acclaim, those that are highly gifted, those that are charismatic, they're the ones that bring transformation. They're the ones that brings freedom. They're the ones that produces change. And, and everybody's excited about that. But I just wanted to stop in this story long enough to tell you that God has the ability to bring deliverance from the back row just as well as he does from the front row. And just because you may not have some of those other things, you may have no military power, you may not have no political capital, but if you are willing to do what God has called you to do, then it doesn't matter about any of that. If you're God-positioned, you can produce in, in the right place at the right time freedom can be produced by you and your service 
in this case, an entire generation is saved. Do you recognize what's happening here? Two women stave off the abortion of an entire generation. By, by, by stepping in at the right moment, they save an entire generation of young men. Their service saved people. Their service protected the destiny of the newborn. Their service protected the destiny of a nation. Uh, and I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how this happened. Thousands and thousands of simple overlooked acts. I want you to think about the role of a, mid a midwife and what she would do. Thousands and thousands of occasions where all she did was walk into a room and take a washcloth and wet it and apply it to a mom that's in the throes of labor to cool her heated brow. That, that, that's all she did. She just applied some comfort. All she may have done is in, in the midst of the struggle of birth, she may have turned the baby so that he could come out the way he was supposed to or perhaps all she did was stand on the side and give words of encouragement and, and life and strength. You can do this. Come on, push just a little harder. You're almost there. He's, he, the baby's about to be born. You're, you're right there. Keep pushing. You can do this. You're strong enough. That's all they did was simple, overlooked, seemingly unimportant acts, but it saved a generation. I want to say to you this morning that simple acts produce deliverance. Where that applies to us is this this morning. I don't want you to underestimate your simple words. I don't want you to underestimate your simple actions. I don't want you to overlook or think that your simple obedience is not important because these, these ladies teach us that out of simple things, there are profound things that take place. And some of you do very simple things around here and you do very simple things in obedience to the Lord and you think nobody notices and that they're unimportant and nobody would notice if you didn't do them. But I came to tell you that out of this story, I can stand here and boldly declare that even your simple acts, even your simple words, even the, the little things that you think nobody recognized, that smile that you thought nobody really paid any attention to, the fact that you put your hand out, the fact that you hugged them, the fact that you stood beside them, sat with them, the fact that you walked with them to the car, the fact that you talked to them at work, simple acts producing life and freedom. And the moment may seem less than newsworthy to you, but the person on the brink of giving up and on the, for the person that's on the brink of quitting and the, on, for the person that's about to throw in the towel and give it, say, I quit and I can't do this anymore. For the person that is down and depressed and the, purpose, the person that feels hated or despised or disillusioned or depressed or the person that's gone through so many struggles this week, they don't know if they can make it. Those simple little acts preserve their life and they're important. And I don't want you to underestimate because your words make the difference between life and death. So this morning I want to simply ask you this. Whose destiny are you saving right now? Wh whose, whose future are you protecting right now? Whose heart is being softened before God right now? Simply by the small things, the small acts that you think nobody knows, notices. Those are the things that step in. And produce deliverance. The second thing I want to teach you this morning is that your obedience today may not produce fruit until tomorrow. Uh, some of us serve and we volunteer and we sacrifice for a short period of time and then if we're not careful we become discouraged and we want to quit and because we don't see fruit immediately but I want you to understand from this account that we need to learn that we must continue to remain faithful even in fruitless seasons. 
Some of you have been here a long time serving, doing what God, you feel like God's called you to do to assist. And it feels like it's a fruitless season. But can I remind you that in due season, fruit will come. In the right season, at the right moment. The importance and the impact of these two ladies and the simple things that they did didn't show up for 80 years. I want you to think about that. Two midwives doing the same thing they did every day, disobeying the command of a Pharaoh, may not have looked like it produced anything, but 80 years later, a baby is born by the name of Moses. But you can back it up three years before that too, because three years before Moses was born, guess who was born? Aaron. So they waited 83 years, and, and really 80 years when Moses comes back on the scene, they're waiting 80 years to see any real fruit or deliverance being produced by simple acts of obedience. And yet, we want to serve two weeks. And God, if you don't come through, I'm out. They teach us to continue in faithfulness. The seed of faith is often planted. Often planted, takes a, it, it takes a long time for that seed of faith to bloom and produce. But I just want to encourage you this morning. Rest assured, if you're planting a seed of faith in, do, in, a, in a matter of time, it may seem like God's never going to come through. But we sang that he's so, so good. He just doesn't operate on our time frame, right? And so, so I just want to encourage you this morning that your service, your act of faith, your kind response, your day of volunteering, it will produce fruit if you continue to remain steadfast that, and you wait for it and you watch for it and you count on it. Don't give up. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this. I guess the writer understood that when you're in the middle of obedience, when you're in the middle of serving, there are moments where the strain is heavy. How many of you have served and you recognize that after serving for a period of time, it becomes taxing at times, right? And so the writer of Galatians says in chapter 6 verse 9, he encourages us, he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Anybody ever get tired in serving? I I do. So he must have understood. He's just, saying, he's just trying to encourage us. Don't give up. Just keep doing what God's called you to do. Just keep faithfully serving. Just keep sowing. Just keep, just keep giving. Just keep giving. Because long-term obedience is what produces harvest. I'm going to say that one more time. Because I think that's a lesson that in our microwave society, we don't understand very well. We want to plant today and get the crop tomorrow. All you got to do is grow up in West Oklahoma and recognize that doesn't happen. In fact, there are some seasons you plant and you don't get any crop that year. Oh, come on now. Come on now. It's long-term obedience that produces harvest. We don't like that. I want to pop it in and 30 seconds later, I want my results out. In fact, I want to to order my food and before I get to the window, I want, in fact, I want every drive-thru to be like Chick-fil-A so that as soon as the words chicken come out of my mouth, they're standing at my window going, my pleasure, sir. Give him my, right? That's the way I want it. But that's not how God works. Long-term obedience. Some of you have been serving a long time, but because you've allowed yourself to grow weary in well-doing, you give up right before harvest. 
And I just want to encourage you this morning that even though you've been obeying today, your faithfulness will produce fruit. Just keep serving, keep giving, keep believing, keep hanging on, keep doing what you've been called to do, keep opening doors, keep passing plates, keep working with kids, keep running sound, keep switching light switches, keep locking doors, keep parking cars, keep doing what you're doing. And in that moment, some, somewhere down the line, your long-term faithfulness will produce fruit. And then last, I want to tell you this morning that there's a truth in this account that I think I know I missed as I read it over and over again. And then finally, the Lord, I think, revealed it to me that I, I think we need to understand that serving others in your misery may be the key that unlocks your miracle. I, I think we pass over it. In, and so I, I, want to draw, I want to stall just long enough for you to see it because you need to recognize that in the day that this was written, that most of the time midwives were often thought to be women who could not have children of their own. And so they were marginalized and they were pushed to the side. They were overlooked. They were thought less than. Okay, you got to get this. That is why at the very end of this account, there is a statement that is made in Scripture that is remarkable. Did you catch it? Did you see it when I, I don't think you did. I'm going to read it again. It says, and because the midwives revered God, he gave them children of their own. Did you, did you this, is, this is an incredible passage of scripture. Because they revered God, because they served others, he blessed them with children of their own. I'm going to say it again. Because they revered God and because they served others, God gave them children of their own. See, see, I think you need to understand is that this is, is that service in our service in dry times, even though it's difficult, can produce life. See, I, I've noticed a tendency in, 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 in us. Our tendency is, is that if we're going through a dry season, and, and I don't want you to stand up in here and act like you don't ever have a dry season, all right? Some of y'all trying to fake it till you make it. I recognize that, that and, and, and we need to just recognize in each other that all of us go through dry seasons. All of us. It doesn't matter how great your season is right now. If you live long enough, you will encounter a dry time, a wilderness moment where things aren't the way that you wish they were. Some of you are, are like the happiest you've ever been. This is the best season of my life. Some of you are not there. All of us experience dry seasons. But I need to tell you that my concern is, is that the tendency is, is that when we're going through pain and we're dealing with trouble and we're, we're exposed to hardships and there are trials and dry seasons, the tendency is we want to become inwardly focused. What I want to do is I... Okay, I won't talk about you. Can I just talk about me? I just want to talk about me. Okay, that's a different song. Uh, let's talk about me. When I'm going through a dry season, this is just me. I know it's not you. I want to be left alone. I didn't say it was good for me. I just said I wanted to be. I want to like hole up in my house, curl up in a fetal position, 
and say, leave me alone. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't deal with me. Don't touch anybody else. When you're in a dry season, just leave me alone. I, I just, I, I, I just, uh, me and Darren want to find a cabin. Not the same cabin. I want your cabin to be 7,000 miles that way and my cabin to be the same. Because we don't want you to mess with us when we're going through dry seasons. Right? Anybody? 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 We become self-centered. We become, we become inwardly focused and we become crammed up and we want to be miserable in our misery. Just let me be miserable. Come on, just let me wallow in it. Any, okay, no. <laughs> all right, so y'all have all got therapists apparently and I'm the only one. All right, so, so just, let, just let me sit here and die. Just leave me alone. Let me suffer in silence. Don't ask me how I'm doing. Don't make me lie. And we become consumed by our situation. But I think these women teach us this lesson. It's a powerful lesson. That service during your dry season positions you for God to set you up for provision. Can I say that one more time? Service in your dry seasons positions you for God to set you up for provisions. In another version, it says this. He provided households for them. It, it's as we meet the needs of others that we find our needs are met and we are provided for. Okay, so I mentioned Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Maybe I ought to back up a little bit. Because we always want to say, don't, don't grow weary in well-doing. But let's back up a little bit. Let's back up to verse 7. Because in verse 7, the writer says this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And then in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 8, he comes back and he says, Remember, the Lord will pay you for each good thing you do, whether you are slave or free. The writer's trying to teach us a lesson. These two ladies are trying to teach us a lesson. Serve in every season of your life. I know you might be miserable at the moment. Maybe you've experienced some loss and maybe you're experiencing the sting of sickness and maybe you're overwhelmed with need and maybe you're overcome with emptiness right now and maybe you're faced with famine in your own life. But if you take the position that these midwives took and you step up and you become a baby bodyguard, you will discover that even though you are tired, you step out and you protect somebody else's destiny. Even though you're exhausted, even though you're sick, even though you're discouraged, you step out and you protect somebody else's future and their destiny and make their dream come true. You discover that, that when you do that, when you take that kind of position, that God will come through for you. Because this is what I've discovered. What I see is pain. God see as plant. What I see as struggle and sacrifice, God sees it as seed. What I see as inconvenience and uncomfortable, He sees as inception. It's the beginning point. While I'm inconvenienced, while I'm not enjoying this, while I'm not, this is not my favorite moment of life, if I'm just faithful and I keep doing what He's called me to do, and while I'm doing that, I serve you, and I make your dream come to pass and I protect your future and I protect your heart and I protect your back that even in the midst of my driest moment God sees it and it's seed that produces fruit. I want to ask you a question. Do any of you know anyone in this building 
Maybe they're not here this service, but they will be. Because uh, I can, I can call. I, I'm tempted to call some out by name. Do you know anybody that has been that we've watched as a testimony? They have continued to serve through their pain. And have you also come to grips with the understanding by watching them that while they serve through the in the midst of their pain, that God has come through for them? I, can can I? Can I call some? Will you, will, you, will you indulge me? Some of you don't even know the people, I'm, and I'm going to embarrass the fire out of them, and I didn't mean to. I didn't ask the permission, so I'll ask, I'll ask forgiveness later, all right? But, but there are people that, as I prepared this message, that their, their faces came across the pages of my mind because I've watched them, some of them year after year after year after year serving, and I know that they're going through the, the worst season of their life, the most painful season of their life, and yet they kept serving. And now I watch on the backside that God has taken that little seed of faithfulness and it's produced life in them and fruit of them. I'm thinking of Tari Watkins who in the midst of his pain continues to worship and continues to pray God. Praise God. Even though it wasn't the thing he wanted to do he continues to pray. I think of Teresa Shepherd, who year after year after year after year is faithfully serving the ones she loves and I think it's just seed that's being planted. I watch Maria who serves faithfully. Some of y'all don't even know what she does. She serves faithfully a year after year after year and in the midst of all that God produces fruit and joy and happiness simple acts of faith simple acts of obedience simple things that could be overlooked and forgotten but God saw it as seed and so now we see fruit being born and harvested I just want to encourage you this morning if you're not serving you need to serve I just want to encourage you this morning that if you are growing weary in service maybe your picture's already out on the wall out there I don't know if you've seen our wall out there but I'm thankful we got a bunch of people that serve faithful but maybe you've been serving and you're exhausted and you're at the brink of quitting and saying it doesn't really make any difference I strum a guitar and they can't even hear it I sing a song and they can't even hear it. I open the door and they don't even say thank you. I take care of their dirty little kids and they don't even say thank you. <laughs> and yet, I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because in the driest moment of your life, as you serve, you become a baby bodyguard. And the baby's life that you may be protecting could be your own. Because let's go logically. What if they had not served faithfully? They would have given up what God had intended for them. And I just want to challenge you this morning. It's time to serve. It's time to give. Father, this morning, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that this word today would be an encouragement to those that are already serving. And I recognize that at this church, at this size, we are so blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. Scores and scores, dozens and dozens of people who give their time, who give their energy, who give their effort. But I also recognize that many of them grow tired and they think nobody knows. They think nobody sees. I prayed this morning that what you would do in this very moment right now is you would speak deep into their spirit and say something that I cannot say. I pray that you would speak directly into their spirit and encourage them to continue. To just hang on a little bit longer. Believe a little longer. Serve a little more. Recognizing that all they're doing is they're planting seed that they will reap the benefit of in the due season, in the right moment. You will come through for them. So I speak strength into every volunteer. 
Every person that is obeying you and following you and, and doing things that may be may seem unimportant or unnewsworthy. They're not even newsworthy. But Father, I pray that those insignificant things would produce great harvest in their life in the right moment. And I pray that you'd encourage them. And Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice, and I know that there is because most churches never see 100% of people serving and volunteering. If there are people that are sitting on the sidelines that feel like that their gift is not enough and that they have nothing to offer and that nobody will care and nobody will notice and they don't need me. This is not about us needing the gift in them. This is about the fact that we need to operate in our gifts so that we sow seed. I pray that if there's one this morning that's been setting out, waiting on somebody else or letting someone else serve, I just pray that in this very moment you would challenge us to step up and step into our rightful positions and save the destinies and the future and the promise of others around us so that we can be set up for provision in our own life. I pray that you would challenge us this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. This is what I want you to do. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.